Hey there. Welcome to Made in Japan Conversations with Meljo Catalan. This is my podcast about Japan, but not just your run of the mill cool Japan podcast. I want to explore a side of Japan besides sushi and sumo, anime and video games. I'm here to extrapolate and meditate with the local people that your travel guide doesn't touch on. People from all walks of life sharing their stories, their trials and tribulations, and their successes. People who are hungry for making it, and people who have made it. This podcast are my talks with them. This week, I am super fired up to tell you all about my next guest.、Uh, he, well, his name is Brian Baird. He is the co founder of. His uh, brewery, uh, Baird Brewing.、Um, and I consider him to be one of the, the utmost leading pioneers of、uh, Japanese craft beer.、Um, I, we talk about, you know, a little bit about his、um, intentions and his, his way of, of, of trying to make it in Japan by making quality beer and, and, And I do consider him as a shokunin, and that is a Japanese word for meaning、uh, a Japanese artisan or a craftsman, someone who is devoted his entire life for his craft, which is beer.、Um, so, for all of you out there listening, and for all my friends or family who are really into beer and craft beer, This episode is definitely for you.、Um, we, we go about talking about his,、uh, you know, his, his rise to making beer and、uh, the way how beer should taste and, and the quality of beer that should be、um, from the wake of, of the renaissance of the American microbreweries back in the uh, uh, 90s. So、uh, we go through that. And we go through, we, we talk about the, the challenges that he faces still、um, after you know, doing this business for so long.、Um, the challenges he faces in Japan, trying to spread the word of what, what, what good beer should be and, and should taste, not should taste like, but how good beer should just be enjoyed and, and, and should be appreciated. What exactly is a high quality? Uh, pint of beer.、Um, he is a very, very kind and, and, and nice man. And, you know, one of his tap rooms that we recorded at, that, that is one of my favorite bars to go to because just the atmosphere of that place is so welcoming to all types of people. And I felt like his success story and, and his continuing success is a great example of what it's like to be made in Japan. So, Without further ado, this is、uh, Brian Baird of Baird Brewing. Let's do this. Yogurt and blueberries. 
That is super healthy. And coffee. <laughs> the caffeine is, guy in the morning, morning and an alcohol and guy in the afternoon. <laughs> Got to have that yin and yang balance. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I do the yogurt, but I, I you know, it's recently what I'm doing. Yeah. I do a lot of yogurt and then green tea, and that's it. Yep, yep. No, very and then good. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to go for the rest of the day. Yeah. Until beer time. I'm not a real big at breakfast eater actually yeah. either, so okay. I, go, I go pretty light and. Uh, Thanks. Um, well, cheers. Thank cheers. You. you got it, man. So uh, I am here at uh, the Nakamegaro Taproom, which is one of my favorite taprooms in, in Japan, generally. Uh, and there's a man across from me who uh, basically happens to be the owner of this place. Uh, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, I, I'm Brian Baird, and I'm the, uh, I guess, the, the founding partner brewmaster of Baird Brewing. Yeah, yeah. And, I happen to basically think that you, to me personally, I think you are one of the pioneers of Japanese craft beer. Um, I think I want to start off by yeah. thinking about my first experiences of your beer. Okay. Um, this has to be like nine years ago. Okay. And an American buddy of mine, uh, his, he happens to be, his name is also Brian too, mm -hmm. from Washington State. Mm. He invited me to his house, his apartment. I just came to Japan like two years. And uh, so I walk in and he's like, Mel, I wanna, he's a big, he's proud of his uh, home state. And so he wanted me to share uh, some Red Hooks. Right. And I haven't had Red Hooks IPAs. And then I, he gave me a bottle and he poured it into a mug and he gave me a coaster for it. And the coaster was your logo, the BB logo. I'm like, what the, what is this? I'm like, is this a beer from Washington? I pointed at the coaster. Yep. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's actually a Japanese beer. It's like one of my favorites. I'm like, can I try some? Do you have any? And he, and he whipped out a bottle of um, the Rising Pale Ale. Yeah. And I was like, you know, so I got to keep in mind at that time, I've only had Kidding right. or Asahi. Oh, so you weren't a, All, a craft beer no, aficionado? No, well, not like, yeah, I, I guess I can't say that. I enjoy good beer. Right. I love hops too. So when I had that, I was like, wow, this is, this is a Japanese beer. Where the hell is this from? And, he, and, you know, I had no idea where your places were in Japan at that time. And I'm like, and he's like, yeah, you know, Numazu. And I'm like, uh, was that Kyushu? I don't know. <laughs> so I, I'm like, wait, so, and he was like, yeah, it's run by an American guy. And I'm like, what? Why does an American guy live in Kyushu like that? And I'm like, okay, this is weird. But anyway, so my friend Brian, he's right. like, yeah, there, uh, this was probably 2009. Yeah. And he's like, you know, they, they opened a tap room in, in Tokyo. I'm like, let's, let's go on there. And then... Later on, I moved. I came to this tap room with, with the friend, with right. the friends, right? And then I, I, I think we're in. I think the first time was this table, and then I looked at the menu, and I'm like, all right, I gotta try the rising pale. But I looked at your food menu, and I'm just like, this dude has New Haven clam pizza, and I looked around suspiciously. I'm. I felt like that time period, like no one from Connecticut, right, lives in Tokyo, and I'm looking around like. Does this tap room know about New Haven clam pizza? Are you from Connecticut? And I'm from Connecticut. Okay, right. And I'm just like, this is really weird. I'm, I, I have to be a fan of this place now. I tried your pizza, and yeah, it brought back. I mean, it's not like my like the New Haven pizza that I grew up, grew up with, but right. it gave me a touch of home. Yep. Like, man, this guy knows his stuff. Well, so, New Haven style pizza is just if you're a beer drinker, it's the the best style of pizza because it's thin crusted. Yes. It's all about that, that 
preparation yes. of the crust. It's not heavy. It's, it's that crust. Right? And so it allows it to complement the beer, not sort of compete uh, for stomach space with the beer. Yeah. And so, uh, I, you know, all, pretty much all pizza styles are good, but if, as a beer drinker, I think New Haven's the best. How did you know about New Haven pizza? Because I, I found, you know, in Japan, I, I, no one knew about Connecticut and New Haven at all. Well, you know, I, I knew a little bit. I went to prep school in Connecticut, um, right? That's where the puzzle fits. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but actually, more ironically, yeah. I was at uh, in Chicago okay. like 2010 for the Craft uh, Brewers Conference. Okay. And there's a place there called Peace Pizzeria and Brewery. Okay. Okay. And <clears throat> really good beer and phenomenal pizza. And this is Chicago, this is not deep dish Chicago yeah. style pizza. These guys were from Connecticut and they were doing New Haven style pizza in Chicago. What? And when I had that combination there, yeah. uh, I, I, I was like, this is the perfect pizza That's to accompany awesome. beer. And so we, 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 the real inspiration for the concept of combining Baird beer with New Haven style pizza came from Peace, Pizzeria oh. Brewery in Chicago, actually. Brian, that makes my heart sing. Because, like, <laughs> like, I don't know, us Connecticut, you know, well, I guess we should say Connecticutians, yeah. us, uh, we are super proud of our pizza, and yeah. we, we just love to brag yeah. about it, yeah. and maybe people, other people find us annoying, but, like... Well, it's funny, I think, because <laughs> I, I think New York pizza is sort of a cousin to New Haven-style pizza, right, right. And, it, and it gets all the, all the glory, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And yet, New Haven-style pizza is much more it's sophisticated, so if, if, if you ask me, and it's, 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 it's all in that, that crust, and... Yeah. and uh, when I met uh, Big Juno, who was our uh, a chef and beer lover okay. at the time, and he was just joining us, yeah. and uh, I asked him, well, if you're gonna do your own place, what would you do? And yeah. he's like, I do pizza and beer. And oh, I said, yeah. what, kind, what style pizza would yeah. you do? And he said, New Haven style pizza. And I, and so I, I was like, <laughs> I, I, I So we turned this into, we opened in 2008. Right. And so we, we, we sort of had my wife's original sort of eclectic, uh, sort of Pacific Northwest influenced okay. Japanese fusion izakaya menu okay. to okay. begin with. Okay. And then we, we morphed the food uh, around 2011 I see. into New Haven style pizza. Um, and, we, and we never looked back. I guess uh, let's, let's go back yep. more. Um, I, I'm, I was curious, uh, when you first came to Japan, did you already have like, were you already envisioning to start your own brewery? Or? No, no, not, you know, so I, so I came like many yeah. right out of college. Yeah. So this was, I, I graduated college in 1989. Okay. So I came summer of 1989 mm -hmm. and I was in Osaka and I worked for sort of the, an Juku, mm -hmm. and I got my start there and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. out of college as a liberal arts guy, but I studied some Japanese history and I was yep. fascinated with the country. Yep. And I'm like, what the heck? go overseas for a year and you know worst case have an interesting year and go back and figure out what I really want to do and uh, but in the back of my mind I thought there's a possibility that I'd really find this interesting and which I did and so I just I stuck around for a few years and really studied Japanese pretty prodigiously and really fell in love with the culture okay um, at, at that time did you did you notice other or other like breweries or any microbrews? No, so this is, you know, 89, 90. So Japanese Jibiru 
right? Yes. Didn't even, there was a deregulation in 1994 okay, I didn't know this. that allowed the market to come in. So 94 is sort of year one of Japanese G-beer. I see. Now, so we're only 25 years in or right, so. Right. Um, and so and even in the late 80s, I, you know, particularly on the East Coast where yep. I went to college, yep. you know, craft beer was not, you, I, you might have had a yep. Boston beer or something, yep. but yep. Th this was not a, a big thing yet. Right, right. And so it wasn't, so in the beginning it was just an interest in Japan, mm -hmm. sort of an intellectual one that mm -hmm. brought me. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to graduate school in Japanese studies in America, yeah. and that was to segue back to Japan, but as a professional, not mm. as an English teacher. Yep. And when I was in graduate school, that's when they deregulated and allowed crap beer to emerge. And in graduate school in D.C. in the mid-90s, that's when I really started to drink craft oh, right. beer passionately. I've always been a beer guy. I, right, I was right. a rugby player in college. And oh, okay. I've drunk oceans of industrial beer. <laughs> and I, I'm, no, I'm no beer snob, right? Well, did I, you have like a preferred, like, like we... Us, like in my days, a couple of my friends, it was like yep. Paps. Yep. Well, we're in my, in my <laughs> college days, as, as, as part of the rugby club, we drunk whatever was cheapest. Right, and right. <laughs> it so happened, uh, it was Old Milwaukee. Old Milwaukee. We, we called it Old Swill. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was about quantity, not quality. Yeah, how, how, much, how much was it? Like, was it, did it come like in a 30 case? Of, like, no, it came in. A, of course, we had cake parties all the no, time. Sure, so sure. we, as a club, you know, we just bought it in kegs, and uh, every cake party was pretty much fueled by Old Swill. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I don't know if that's an auspicious beginning for a craft yeah. brewer or not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Well, I mean, yeah, us. It was just mostly uh, for my college. It was mostly many. Everyone was just bringing in 40, 40 ounces. You know. Uh, they just, just the old cold duct forty-five, yeah, the, old the malt liquor. Yeah. <laughs> duct tape them and just like have like Edward cold hands. You know? <laughs> oh man! But uh, so, so you, you go back to Japan after. Uh, so did you get your brewer's license in the states? Well, so I, I was in Japan for graduate school okay. and two years, and then sure enough, I I, I segued back and got a job mm -hmm. as a, sort of a salary man in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Gosh, this was. 95, I think okay. I started. Okay. And so I worked a little over a year, so sort of towards the end of 96. Okay. I realized I didn't want to be a salary man and work for the, sure. the man in Tokyo. <laughs> sure, sure. And then I, re I did a, sort of a deep look. What do I love about Japan? Mm -hmm. and, and what turns me on about the country? And sure enough, it's, it's, the, it's the culture of the shokunin, of the craftsman. Yes. Right? Uh, I think Japan um, probably takes... I, I encourages it, and I think encourage it. They take it seriously. seriously yeah. They re revere it. Um, they're willing yeah. to pay premium prices for very well mm. uh, crafted things across the board. Mm. Yep. And uh, again, that coincided with the deregulation that allowed small scale brewing, which mm. had never existed in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of put, well, gosh, I really want to be involved. Mm in some way, shape, or form with the, the crafting, the manufacturing sure. of something excellent. And then, well, I become a sort of a craft beer aficionado in the States. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why wouldn't craft beer work really well in Japan? Right. It's brand new. And I could come with it from a little angle than most Japanese companies were coming at it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 
It just so happened my partner at the time, my wife now, mm-hmm. uh, Sayuti was, we were drinking buddies. Yeah, right. Sure. And, and so she was not just, I'll support you in there. She's like, let's let's do this. Right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, let's go study. Full on, yeah. And uh, I went, so I quit my salaryman job, went back to brewing school in the United States. Where, where was the school? I went to the American Brewers Guild oh, when, okay. when they had a, a campus, which was in Woodlands, California, right outside of Davis. Okay. So it was started by a bunch of Davis professors. Okay. Uh, and I, from the, the beginning thing, when you had a Red Hook IPA with your, mm-hmm. your buddy, yeah. well, when I was at the Guild, I did my apprenticeship in in the Seattle, in at, Seattle Red Hook, yeah. at Red Hook. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah, so. uh, my buddy, he, he lived down the street from the, from yep. the brewery, yep. uh, from the Red Hook yep. brewery. Yeah. Interesting. So that's where I cut my teeth in the okay. sort of Pacific awesome. Northwest brewery. Nice, all right. Yeah. So, and then you came back, and so, is, is your wife from? She's in No, no, oh, she, okay. she's Japanese, okay. but uh, um, we actually met in Washington, D.C. when I was oh. there in graduate school, okay. and, and she was there in a different circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and even my you know, colleague and partner, John, we also met in D.C. in, in graduate school, and so D.C. really is, is, sort, like the, is a little bit of ground zero for, okay. for Baird Brewing in terms of um, many of the the cast of characters right. and quarks right. sort of coming together in Washington D.C. before yeah, you can feel like a family forming and yep. everything. That's that's great. Yeah. So, um, what was it like opening? Because I think that is a very difficult thing to open your own business in in local Japan. Uh, what were the like the? I mean, you don't have to tell me like all the yep. difficulties, but like, what was the? What well, was one of the biggest uh, challenges? Well, it was interesting. So I went to Brewing School in '97, mm. and you know. The class and the apprenticeship—it's—it's it's, it's a several-month program. Mm-hmm. You're done. So I came back to Japan in summer of '97, mm-hmm. and this is so. There was a three-year boom that happened right out of the gate. '94 to '97, it went from zero crap breweries to about close to 300. That's insane. And then it stopped, mm-hmm. and it stopped right around the summer of '97 when I was coming back to Japan what, what, as a trained brewer. Okay. What? Do you know what happened? What causes? What? Yes, and I, I, what G, GB you do, yeah. as it was the, called. Yeah. G is Gimoto, I mean yeah. it's local, basically local beer. Gizake is the sort of antecedent to that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is local sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike the United States, where the craft beer movement really started on a on an individual level with sort of passionate home brewers, passionate beer people that really bootstrapped. Yeah from nothing. Yeah. They did it out of an act of love. Uh, there wasn't the sort of beer in the United States that they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And it was all about the beer and yeah. love and passion for it. Uh, where to be honest, the Japanese G-beer industry emerged as a corporate thing and yeah. not an individual thing. So most G-beer companies, they weren't beer companies yeah. per se. They made their core money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And even they were using G-Beer, the manufacturers selling a beer to accomplish other things, mm-hmm. whether it was local development or... Uh, I feel like it was like they're just trying to cover like a niche market of customers that are just only interested in well, the G-Beer. Well, but it was... So we said the UNGBeer, Kanko yeah. Kyaku. So it was, it was about tourism and it was about right, okay. local development okay. and it was about corporate diversification. Mm. A lot of sake brewers were sake salesmen dropping in Japan for the last 40 years. Yeah. They, a lot of uh, 
discount liquor stores got involved. And that's okay and all, mm. but it, it never was passionately about the beer. Yeah. And so I'm t- painting with a broad brush here, sure. but so by and large, mm. uh, most G beer was pretty mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think after three years, people started to say, oh, G beer equals expensive and mediocre. Right, right. And everybody would try it once or buy it as a, a souvenir and omayagi for their friends. But right. they're, they don't, if it's not really excellent, they're not going to come back to right, it. Right. And particularly, they're not going to be willing to pay a premium price for something that's mediocre again and again and again. Mm. And so even now, 25 years in, I still think, speaking generally, the industry still hasn't, it hasn't taken off like in the United States, right. largely because there's still too much mediocre craft Crap beer beers. and there's too little really, really excellent craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, a, that's an industry-wide problem. Okay. I, you know, I've only been in Japan for 13 years, and the 10 years, I just started getting into the Japanese craft beer. Well, since that coming came here like right. nine years ago, right? Right. right. And um, I, re- I saw, you know, before coming here, I did a little research, and you did an article with Japan Beer Times, mm-hmm. and I just, just to paraphrase what you said, right. like you said, and exactly just echoing what you said right, right now, um, the problem is the lack of entrepreneurship and there's just way too many corporate presidents just taking over like that. So do you feel now that it hasn't changed a bit? Because I feel like there's a lot of microbreweries and for me, I my, my wife's family is from uh, Matsumoto, Nagano right. area. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that, well, you mentioned it too earlier, uh, that there's a lot of sake breweries that closed down, yeah. but the water is still great there. Yeah. And in Nagano, there's a lot of uh, craft beer is coming popping up yep. and yes you're right it's like a hit or miss yep. and there's some of them that are like really really good yep. and there's some of them just kind of like you're just going with the flow of the tourism right so but I I, I I wonder is the entrepreneurship spirits like growing in Japan I, I'm not sure I'm not sure either and it, when I said that to the Japan Beer Times and I still people always ask what's what are the so core things holding it back, yeah. the industry yeah. as a whole. One, I think, is quality. Yeah. Um, but then you, you know, dig deeper. Another would be taxation. Yes. Um, the tax on beer, excise tax is outrageous sure. here. And sure. Most OECD countries, you have this, in beer is generally the lowest tax alcohol beverage because the alcohol percentage is lowest on beer. Yep. You, higher up you get under the alcohol level, the higher tax the thing is. That's not true in Japan. Mm. So, so the price of beer relative to shochu and nihonshu and mm. even wine mm. is, is quite high, mm. which keeps per capita consumption of beer lower than it otherwise would be. That's something that you, uh, us small brewers, we can't change or control. Right. And there's, we don't have much political muscle right. yet. But, and then people said home brewing is technically illegal here. Right, right. Um, and I, I never felt that to be a huge deal because it, there is a small little vibrant community. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not trying to sell it or, or, or you're not too reckless, reckless about, about it, it right. you know, mm-hmm. wink, wink, nod, nod. And so it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. But I think more than that, when I look particularly the United States, which mm-hmm. is where the Renaissance really started and, and has been most successful, mm-hmm. I think the key to the American success was entrepreneurship. Yeah. This 
bootstrapping mentality and this this they, people aren't fearful to fail. Yep. This is probably weird for me, but um, I kind of equate that that business model. I don't want to say business model, but that, that spirit. Yep. You know, I grew up in the hardcore punk community. That DIY culture in the, yeah. the punk community is super strong in the Northeast, like right. New York, Boston, whatever. And for some reason, when I think about craft beer culture, it, it's very synonymous to yep. me. It's like it's almost like a mirror image of like we don't like this type of product, right. so we're gonna do it ourselves. Right. We're gonna make it the best that we can. Do. Right. And that's how I see it with uh, craft beer. Right. And I, I really hope Japan can do something like well, that. Well, recently, you know? as you noted, I think there there has been a proliferation of licensed breweries the last yeah. couple of years, yeah. which is a good thing. Mm. And a lot of them are very small. Mm. And so they're not corporate breweries. That It is right. more, it's all about the beer. The beer, yeah. And, uh, I think that's critical. Yeah. Now we'll see. We started, we were the smallest licensed brewery in Japan back in 2000. So yeah. I, I brewed 30 liter batches at a time. So we could yield one quarter barrel and just sold it wow. on draft at our, our fish market tap room in, in, yeah. in Numazu. And I just know, and this will be the challenge for these really small guys, I mean, we were nano before there was a name for yeah. this, might, this nano brewing. Mm -hmm. Well, Nano, it's a foot in the door, but it's not sustainable. Unless you're independently wealthy and you don't need <laughs> any money out of the endeavor, you cannot make money mm. brewing on, on such a small scale. You have to use it as a stepping stone yeah. to get larger. And I'm not sure that a lot of these really, really small, newly licensed breweries fully understand the business challenge and the amount of personal and financial sacrifice okay. it takes to sort of so scale, scale up okay. and uh, we'll see but I do think brewer owner mm. brewer owner mm. crap breweries mm. tend to be more successful I think in the United States if you went brewer owner crap breweries and family breweries husband wife oh, team right, right. I think they'd be overrepresented in yep. the successful end of the industry yeah I think it's, it's a good it's a it's a it's a good fit for the mentality of craft beer and what it needs to be. I like what I remember. Was it last year? I like that you you guys did like a collaboration with the Shiga Kogan uh, beer, mm -hmm. um, doing a, like a limited seasonal beer. Yep. I thought that's a great idea too. Like like the beer, you know, the other breweries that you respect that you think that has they're, they're doing the right thing. Right. Collaborating together and doing. I think. There should be more of that in Japan, but there, there, there should. And then you know, there's a fine line. And collaborations really, you but know, again, several I, years I see ago. You, you and Shigeko, Kogan, to me, in my mind, you guys are like the pioneers. Since like, you yeah. know, <clears throat> we're, yeah, we're, we're sort of like-minded and mm. influenced each other. And, and I'm all for genuine collaborations. Mm -hmm. But in the last several years, not just Japan, but internationally, mm. I. And we've been a part of a couple that I'm not proud of where it's like, it's just a marketing stunt right. and there's no real collaboration going on. Right, right. And if it's just to make yourself look good, I, 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 I'm not, not so full in. Yeah. Then you get in Japan, and this gets back, hopefully the increase is more brewer owner sure. companies uh, take hold. but. Uh, 
there's not a lot of collaboration and camaraderie on the Keisha, on the corporate, on the on the right. uh, on the right. president owner level in Japanese craft beer. Right. In fact, companies tend to look at other craft brewing companies as competitors and not as collaborators. Right. Uh, that, I think that's what they probably that's what they saw saw you like with the, the, the bigger companies. Yeah. They saw you doing well, and then they see okay, let's get our foot into this market yeah. as well. And um, but um, I, I was watching not the news, but like a TV Japanese TV program, mm -hmm. and they did the thing on like um, the other beer company, Yono Yono Beer. Right. But uh, it wasn't really. A, they were talking about the brewery, but they were talking. The thing that was this interesting to me was the fact that. Uh, there's more Japanese women mm -hmm. getting into beer, mm -hmm. and 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 that's really fascinating to me because you don't really see that in in the states. Um, so I I find that like how when Japan, well, with like such things like craft beer, like uh, with to me I guess it's something that people can choose to be as a niche market. But when I see uh, the news story of like, yeah, women are getting really into this too. I found that like really interesting. Well, no, no question. Our, you know, <laughs> compared to an industrial brewery, yeah. our, our, our customer base, women would be f far more uh, represented in our core customer base than yeah. for an industrial brewer. Yeah. And it gets to sort of, there's two beer cultures here that are working in parallel. The Japanese industrial and the industrial in the world in Japanese, they call it toriyazu beer. Yes, okay. Toriyazu beer, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start and have one beer and then go to something else. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's what a lot of women enjoy alcohol. They don't like beers. It's cold. It's fizzy. Um, the bitterness from fizzy industrial beer comes from the CO2, not from hops. Right. And, uh, I, and, and so a lot of women don't like that. Our, our beer culture... At Baird, and I and I think most crappy beer cultures is in Japanese way, jikuri ajiwa beer, right? This beer you want to sip and savor slowly and enjoy with your companion or the food you're, you're eating. And and our beer, ours is all uh, secondly fermented, naturally carbonated. Our carbonation levels tend to be lower than industrial beers. It's more like a wine experience than a beer experience, and we have it. So, so often you have a woman she's like oh if this is beer I really like it <laughs> right right uh, we it's get just, that again and again and again it's so, amazing yeah. I, I, I find that very interesting that it's been like that but uh, with I, I, like I don't want to paint a broad picture too but with my Japanese guy friends yeah some of them are really into the craft beer but some of them are just like well, they did have a sip of the beer, yep. the craft beer, and they'd be like, "Well, you know what? After that, they'd go back to like a bin bidu, mm -hmm, like a mm -hmm. kidding. <laughs> like after like a glass of this, and you're like, because eh, they're probably just used to yep. that that glass bin bidu bottle, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, expectations are important, and what you don't even you know. Again, I I love big maker beer, industrial beer. I sure. drink a lot of it. Sure. It's just wow. If that's all there is, yeah. then it's sort of a lonely world. It's like, where's the other 99% of the beer that the industrial guys are not representing? Well, that's, that's the mission of us small brewers. And beer's the most diverse alcoholic beverage, beverage period in the world. And yet, the vast majority of people in the world don't know that because all they've been exposed to is industrial beer. And uh, gosh, as a beer lover, 
I brew beer to drink. Yeah, exactly. Right? And as, as a beer lover, I want diversity. Right. And, uh, I, you know, one of my favorite things at the end of every day is yeah. I, you know, approach uh, uh, the evening hours. Yeah. It's, gosh, what's going to be my first pint today? Right, right. And <laughs> thinking, wow, there's real choice, and I don't know what it's going to be, and what is it going to be? Right. That, that's, that's like the highlight of the day. To add on to that, I, I, um, you know, you know, I feel that with their beer, I feel like you guys are definitely not exclusive. The the way your atmosphere is, with, with I've been to several of your tap rooms. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been to your uh, Numaza tap room or yep. the uh, your your new brewery. brewery yeah, yeah, which, um, yeah, I mean, you can talk about the tour about yeah. that, but like. Uh, I've always felt that with your beers, like and, and the, the, the a wide range of customers that come into your your beer, uh, tap rooms, it is it's so inviting, and, 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 and that's well, key for me. I think. Well, this is the this is the beauty of beer, yeah. writ large, mm-hmm. right? It could be Tordiaza beer, or it could be Kudiajuwal beer, really sophisticated beer. But it, why I love beer, and we try to be sophisticated in in the quality of our beer. But there's no pretense to it. Yep. There's yep. no, we're not like the wine industry right, right. where you're, you know, you've got to throw these fancy adjectives <laughs> at, at, at wild beer descriptions. I'm, I'm getting a little worried in the States that it's happening with that, with, with the microbreweries. Like. Wow, and then real beer geeks start to take themselves a little too seriously. seriously right, and right. it's like, you know, at the end of the day, beer is not that serious. Right. Beer is important. Right. What, what, through beer, why is beer here? Beer's here just to make all of us humans in our travels, struggles and travails with life, just to make us a little happier, to make the journey a little more enjoyable. It's a simple role, a small role, but a vital role. And we, we don't take beer any more seriously than that. And yet we take it really seriously because of that, right? I, that is a great message, and I think I'm going to leave it to that. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Appreciate um, being asked. Do you have any future events this year that uh, my listeners would like to know about? Or um, Well, we, you know, check out our website, beardbeer.com. It's fully bilingual. We yep. do English and Japanese, and uh, we're involved in events yeah. Of our of our own organizing and uh, just participating in, in, in other events and uh, what's the latest thing we're doing and yeah. where are we going to be and uh, uh, when are we going to open another tap room or whatever it, it, that information is always up, uh, up on, on the, the on the on the website. I'll post a link on the episode details. Yeah, and uh, your Instagram and Facebook. I'll post all that stuff. Yeah, we have uh, you know, we have five of our own brewery owned and operated tap rooms. Um, uh, which are open every day, and our our brewery out in Shizenji, which is on the Iza Peninsula, it's the most beautiful country brewery you'll, you'll ever love to visit. Take a tour there, yeah. right? We have tours Saturday, Sundays, national holidays. Our our tasting room on the third floor is open every day. Okay. Um, so uh, we're always around, uh, working hard and drinking a lot of beer. Well, thank you, Brian. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are like spearheading the charge of Japan Japanese craft beers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mel. It's been thank a pleasure. You. Thank you, Brian. Cheers. All right. All right. Cheers, Thanks, man.
So I would like to thank Brian and all the wonderful folks at the Nakamegaro Tap Room um, for having me uh, come in before they open the doors uh, for another night of business. Um, yeah, you, as uh, Brian mentioned, you can find uh, Baird Beer uh, through their website, which is, as he said, bilingual. It's uh, BairdBeer.com and their Instagram handle and you can search for Baird Beer in Instagram on Facebook and Twitter, I believe. And I, I believe all their handles are at Baird, B-A-I-R-D, Brewing, B-R-E-W-I-N-G, uh, all one word, Baird Brewing. So yeah, just, you know, if you're interested ab about what Baird Beer is about, and um, and I really recommend you guys try it if you ever haven't tried it yet. If you happen to, you know, just arrive in Japan and you want to get into craft beer, I highly recommend you start with a, a beard beer first. Uh, they're, you know, they're one of the, yeah, they're one of the best uh, that they've done, you know, that, that do it right in, in Japan. So, um, also, um, for all of you out there, Please, you feel free to leave me a message on uh, my email. Uh, my email address is uh, japanmademepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can uh, find me on my Instagram. is It's at madeinjapanpodcast. And also you can search me on Facebook. And uh, also feel free to, uh, you can uh, uh, message me on my host site, uh, anchor.com as well really truly honest it's just it was a blast to uh, hang out and um talk with uh brian about his business and and what it's like to you know all the things that he went through you can just feel it through the hard work and and like what he says that bootstrap mentality um i, I think it is the the essence of what makes someone who wants to start their own um brewery in japan that, that that's that's what you need that that spirit but uh anyways you're listening to made in japan uh conversations with Meljo catalan um thank you again for listening and uh stay tuned because the i think i have one more episode this month yes i do have one and uh yeah stay tuned and i'll check you all next time so Anyways, take care. Peace.